You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Have you always wanted to hear the hockey stories told from the press box? For your premier source of hockey prospect news from across the AHL, NCAA, Canadian Hockey League, and international leagues, this is your all-access pass to The Press Zone, a hockey podcast packed with news, analysis, interviews, and entertainment featured on AHLReport.com. Your hosts, Amy Johnson and Rick Stevens, are experienced, credentialed hockey reporters, bringing you stories built from strong connections throughout the hockey community and from inside rinks all across North America. Welcome to The Press Zone. Well, hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Press Zone, episode number 243, uh, right here on the AHL Report and Rocket Sports Media, uh, a proud affiliate of the Hockey Podcast Network, by the way. And if that's how you found us, welcome aboard. We're glad to have you here. Uh, I'm your host and also the lead correspondent at the AHL Report. Uh, My name is Amy Johnson. And each and every week, I'm joined in the studio by our president, founder, and editor-in-chief here at Rocket Sports. He's the one and only Rick Stevens. How are you doing today? Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm doing all right, thanks. That's good. How about you? Not too bad at all. Have you been enjoying any Olympic action? Um, No, to be honest, no. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I mean, snippets or glimpses here and there, but no, yeah. I haven't really sat down and watched anything i i i'm enjoying that it's on in like the mornings and i can just stream it while i'm working so i've been watching a lot of luge and speed skating and biathlon all right so it's been fun any outstanding performances not by the u.s or canada in those three sports so far giant crashes uh... oh tons lots of crash ups um not in well Mostly I've been watching um, not short track speed skating, but short track always has plenty of of crashes. It's been... uh, Short track speed skating, at which the Canadians, the Quebecers usually do pretty well, is, is, uh, yeah, it's much like roller derby. It's it's pretty fun. Can be. Uh, And even even, um, just traditional speed skating, I watched the 1500 meter today and it was, I'm just, I'm, I'm amazed. I'm amazed at what... Uh, Olympic athletes are able to do watching luge. I'm like, there's just, there's no way. And then skeleton. I mean, head first. Who just, who decides? Let's luge, but make it more dangerous. <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's nuts. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of fun being able to pop in and and watch some Olympic action. And uh, the hockey uh, hockey events will start on Wednesday. We, there's uh, of course some. Habs prospects will be there. Uh, Sean Farrell, um, Frederick Decal will be playing mm-hmm. as well. Uh, so it'll be fun to get to to watch those guys as well as um, we know that there's quite a few former Montreal Canadiens players who are who are over there uh, participating and representing their team. So I, I'm looking forward to that quite a bit. That's great. Um, we've got a lot of good stuff for you today. Patrick Williams is here. 
It's AHL Hot Stove Week. That's coming up in the second segment. Before that, though, uh, we're going to take a look at how Laval finished out their road trip last week. Um, give you a little brief recap on that. Bring you some audio uh, from the coach, from the captain, uh, as well as, you know, there's been some some roster movement down in Laval. And we've got uh, some new players joining the team, some guys called up from the ECHL. We've got lots of audio to bring you today uh catch caught up on that an injury report uh because there were some some pretty key injuries uh that that uh, happened last week that we want to get you caught up on and then yes in that second segment patrick williams is back for another ahl hot stove great great segment today uh kind of a two-parter uh first half of it uh, he sat down with an ex- for an extensive uh, interview with AHL president and CEO Scott Housen. And so Patrick's coming today to kind of give us uh, the inside scoop on on some of those topics that he touched on with Housen, which is just fascinating to listen to. And then he also put together, since the AHL All-Star uh, weekend was canceled again this year, he put together his own full AHL uh kind of mock roster. And so we're going to take a look at that and fun exercise. Yeah. A difficult exercise. No, I don't envy uh, it. It's tough paring <laughs> it down and to fit all the parameters and, and positions and everything. But, uh, yeah, it's it's a great list, and we'll go through it. We certainly will. And, uh, already start thinking, who do you think he chose from the Laval rocket? Uh, in fact, why don't you tweet at us at the AHL report Regardless of who Patrick is selected from the Laval Rocket, who would you, if if you had, if you could select one player on the roster this year who would have been an All Star for the Laval Rocket, who would you have chosen? We'd love to hear from you about that. Um, however, first and foremost, uh, we're going to talk about the Laval Rocket just a little bit. They uh, finished out a road trip, uh, more tough divisional play last week. You know, Rick, the Rocket play. I want to say thirteen times this month. And the only game of the entire month that isn't against a division rival is the final game of the season against a uh, uh, final game of the month against Cleveland. Every <laughs> a dozen division games this month, uh, there's going to be a lot of um, divisional shuffling going on, I think. Well, the, the, this is key. This is a key um, um month in terms of who's going to make the playoff race. Yeah, there's still uh, lots of time left after that, but uh, there's going to be uh, jockeying for position, as you say, and and particularly these next few games against Syracuse. Absolutely. Uh, so last week, uh, two games in Utica. Of course, we know the Utica Comets have just, Kevin Deneen has really just created something special there in Utica with the Devils affiliation uh, returning there for the first time this year. Uh, They've been leading the division, leading the conference, leading the league for the majority of the season. Um, However, the Rocket had already beaten them once this year, uh, something that not many teams have have done. Uh, And so going into their barn for two games last week, believe it or not, uh, the, the Rocket it was a split decision. They beat them again, this time on, on home ice uh, for, for Utica. Only the f- third time all season that Utica has lost at home, which is pretty incredible. Um, and uh, feisty games both times, I, I must say. Uh, that rivalry is really heating up. Uh, lots of penalty minutes. There were plenty of game misconducts handed out, but they did come out with a victory on 
Wednesday night. Uh, unfortunately lost in overtime uh, on Friday night and then traveled to Belleville overnight. It was a really, uh, and you'll hear JF will talk a little bit in a little bit, you know, it was an emotional game on Friday night, boarded the bus, took the, took the long road uh, back across the border to Belleville uh, to play the Senators on Saturday night. Uh, and my goodness, Rick, that was, um, that was a tough game to watch. They got absolutely shellacked. They did. Um, it, it, it was interesting watching them through that through that week. And uh, uh, the two games against uh, the Comets, each first period they were down 2 nothing Against Belleville, down one nothing, But they got outshot uh, 11-4 to in the first period. So um, although they got three or four points in Utica, in each of those three games, uh, the first period, they just weren't ready to play. It was just a disaster. Uh, then some paint was peeled and, and uh, the, the players confirmed there was some discussions in each of those games after the first period and they, they got on track for the rest of the game. But uh, they've got to start better. They've got to learn to start better. They've got to be ready from puck drop um, with, with their game in hand and, and know what they're going to do, uh, particularly when they're, they're uh, competing for a playoff position right now in fourth place. Uh, just ahead of, of Syracuse, um, who we're going to talk about. But um, in, in each of those games, uh, starting in the hole and then having to fight back and give them credit for being able to, to fight back in, in the two games in Utica, mm-hmm. not, not against Belleville. But um, it, it, you put yourself in a hole, it just makes the job that much that much tougher. In Belleville, goaltending was an issue. Um it but, was yeah. Keep in mind they're missing Caden Primo and Michael McNiven right now, so they're still relying on uh, Kevin Poulin and Louis Philip Guindon. Uh, Poulin, of course, backstopping them twice in Utica, but but as you say, Rick Guindon has struggled on Saturday night for sure. sure he did, and 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 you know you got to give credit to these guys in uh, not only in goaltending but throughout the lineup who are playing who are more is being asked from them than their, their talent can to deliver mm-hmm. on a consistent basis. Right. I mean, the goaltending, they can, they can put a good period together. They can put even three good periods together rarely. Um, but, but, uh, they're, they're playing above their, uh, they're, they're punching above their weight, at least trying to. And some nights that works and, and other nights it doesn't. Um, unfortunate, well, and, and the other thing on Saturday night that was the key factor was the lineup depletion. Uh, Lucas Vedemo went out of the Wednesday night game against Utica. He is currently considered day-to-day. He has not played since. And then Friday night in Utica, in the first period, uh, J.F. Uhl lost both on a night that I believe they were already... Yes, he, he was already playing 11-7. and seven. Uh, he, in the first period, he lost Jean-Sebastien D and Alex Belzeal. So he was down essentially his top three centers uh, going into the second period on Friday night uh, and and was already down a forward because of going, going 11-7. So that meant on Saturday, uh, it was it was very lean <laughs> on the roster. Um, should mention that uh, D and Vedemo, according to... Uh, according to Coach Uhl, are considered day-to-day. Um, Alex Belziel, however, likely out for two or more weeks. Uh, that one's a little more serious. Um, and uh, as far as injuries go, I could, while I'm at it, I should just mention Josh Brook um, 
traveled with the team, is practicing with the team. Uh, Ull says he's going to have some quote-unquote hard practices that they're going to put him through at full contact this week. He once, uh, JF said, he wants to see his teammates really kind of put him through the ringer a bit during practice this week and see how how his body handles it. So it's possible Josh Brooke could make his season debut at some point this week. We'll see. Uh, taking small steps, and one of those small steps, it, it was a good sign, I thought, was to see him take the warm-up. Yeah, uh, on uh, Saturday. On Saturday, yeah. That was that was really nice to see, and it must have felt good for him to uh, be on. He wasn't, he wasn't planning to play, wasn't going to, but uh, the coach put him in to, uh, to, to take the warm-ups, and, and it was nice to see him, him on the ice. So as we said, uh, the result in Belleville, it wasn't the way they wanted to end uh, uh, the road trip uh, with with that kind of an outcome. Um, Spoke to Captain Xavier Ouellette after the game, uh, just regarding what the message as the captain, you know, what what the message was to his to his younger players on on the team would be uh, following that kind of a, a pretty tremendous loss. Uh, find a way. I mean, there's no excuses uh, in, in professional hockey. We, you have to find a way. Um, like you said, you know, uh, it's been a lot of hockey, a lot of traveling. Um, but at the end of the day, I think that as a team, we're better than the way we played tonight. So uh, we need to turn the page, go home, uh, recover and get ready for next week. Can you tell that audio was recorded at a distance? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Zoom calls are a wonder. (laughs) Yeah, Um, yeah. I I think I think that's a fair statement that uh, they 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 didn't show uh, the quality of the team they are by by the performance on the ice that night. No. So when uh, when JF Ool sat down uh, in front of the laptop for his portion of the Zoom post game interview. I, I essentially sort of asked him the same question, but in a different way. I said, you know, what lessons can your players take? You know, trying to find a positive out of every situation. This was an ugly game. It was an ugly loss. But what what teaching moments can you take out of this and, and move forward? And here's what he said. Well, the lesson is, uh, you know, whenever you trail from behind, you know, three games in a row, it's almost impossible to all come back. All the time, so uh, I think it's important for us to, to have maybe better starts. Um, you know, the, the energy level was very low tonight after an emotional game last night and all in the travel. But uh, you know, as young players, that's that's how it is in the NHL and in the American Hockey League. You have to find a way to uh, to be better, and we are better than what we showed tonight. Uh, you know, the effort is, was there the, the last few games. Uh, players play with uh, with a lot of emotion and. Uh, you know, I, I like the vibe in the locker room, but uh, you know, tonight we had too many uh, too many wrong players in the wrong chairs. You know, players playing too high in the lineup. Uh, guys, uh, you know, no, uh, haven't played together in the long, you know, uh, all year. So was, uh, our execution was a little off. So um, I, I think this is what the coach was saying. There is is this is all about learning to be a pro and and this is a learning experience for many of the players there um you know it's easy to go into utica and utica's uh the the tight confines and it there's lots of energy in the building naturally uh the laval rocket playing against the number one the team who's been the best team in 
uh, the AHL all season long. It's easy. Uh, emotion comes easy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's going to be interesting. As you said, it got kind of feisty at times. It's going to be interesting if the standings remain the same and those two teams oh, end yeah. up meeting in the playoffs, that there's already that built-in rivalry. But then the trick is, the learning to be a pro is, as JF said, um, is generating that emotion for that, the third game um uh, on that on that trip and and uh that had to come from the players and it didn't there was an energy uh there wasn't a good start there was no emotion um and added to that because of 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 injuries and and uh that that players found themselves um up in the lineup uh further up in the lineup than than really their their skills dictated them to be correct and and sometimes young younger and perhaps more on un perhaps more inexperienced players who aren't able to adjust and adapt to playing with new line mates who they've never played with before um all of those things kind of all working against the Laval Rocket as a whole so um astute observations i think from the coach um and i imagine that he's he he kind of made those lessons clear to his team but um they return home now. We're going to talk about that in a little bit, and and it should it'll be it'll be a a, a bit of a different scenario for them once they're at home. Uh, now, because of all of the injuries, as I said, that's three centers that they're down um, with Vedamo D and Belzeal. So uh, a couple of call ups uh, happened from Trois Rivières this week. I know Justin Ducharme just got recalled, uh, but uh, more importantly, Cameron Hillis was recalled. We know uh, he's been a little all over the place uh, this season. Um, he's been doing fairly well uh, down since he got sent down, I believe, the third week in January to the Trois Rivières Lions. Um, since he's been sent down almost a month ago, well, not like a couple of weeks ago, he's had three goals and three assists since since going down, including a two goal game uh, on Saturday night, uh, just uh, just two days before his recall. Um, and so when when I had an opportunity to speak to him yesterday after his first practice uh, on this recall with Laval, um, he was he was pretty clear on what has improved in his game, what he's working on. And what he's doing to try to get back to to being the uh, player with a lot of offensive production that he was known for earlier in his career. I haven't really been trying to focus too much on my offensive game. I know it's there. Um, I know I have the skill set. I think I was just more focusing um, my face-offs, uh, defensive side of the puck, um, just being stronger in battles. Um, and then I think I've I've done a good job at that the last few weeks and. Um, the offensive production has is, is started to come back, and um, I think that's a result because of, of me taking care of the other details. I think just the day-to-day, uh, my preparation um, and habits, um, just being good in practice and, and taking that time to, to compete against these guys. And then um, if I'm in games, um, same thing, um, you know, work on being good on the right side of the puck, my um, face-offs using my speed and just trying to, you know, work on my overall game, um, you know, each time I'm in the lineup. So Cam Hillis is, um, was a third round pick in 2018, known as, as a, a speedy guy, known as uh, a guy who produces 
offense. Um, last year of, of juniors for the Guelph Storm, he had 83 points in 62 games. He was uh, their captain, Guelph's captain. Uh, so he has leadership skills. Um, again, we t- I mentioned learning to be a pro. He's learning to be a pro. He, he needs to, um, as he, he said, one of the things, one other thing he is, he's a very smart uh, young man and, and a smart player. Um, but he, learned, he needs to learn how to uh, practice as a pro and continue that over to games uh, to be consistent. And, you know, he's not the biggest of guys, 5'9", 174, and, and um, being stronger in battles. He's going to have to uh, bulk up a bit and improve his strength in the offseason. But now uh, he can get through those things by a, a pretty strong work ethic. And, and uh, so those are the things it, it, I believe the coaching staff have asked him to do. Um, and as you said, he's, he's gotten a chance at, at uh, all levels, three different levels of pro uh, this season. Absolutely. It, you know, his, he seemed every, most of the time that Cam Hillis comes to the mic, he seems grounded. Um, even last season when he was having troubles, even getting into the lineup on a consistent basis, but he's always grounded. He's usually pretty positive, um, confident and, and always seems ready to work. And that was definitely, uh, the feeling I got in his interview yesterday. Uh, he certainly seems to be excited to, to be back with Laval and, and is obviously hoping that the solid work that he's been putting in the last few weeks in Trois Rivières is going to transition, uh, into, into play in the AHL. And he kept, he, he knows the reality of things right now. He kept, uh, reiterating that he doesn't know how long he'll be with with Laval, and so he's going to make the most of every day uh, and do what he can. Um, our good friend Patrick Williams, who is going to be joining us uh, here coming up in the second segment, was also on that call, um, and he talked to Cam a little bit about um, how his brief NHL experience with Montreal uh, has affected him this year. And uh, again, Hillis... Uh, Pretty well-spoken young man uh, had some great things to say about all of his experiences throughout three different leagues this season. It has been a crazy month. Um, you know, I wasn't expecting to play my, my first NHL game this year, um, but I did, and I actually played a decent amount. I think I played 10 and a half minutes maybe. Um, and coming back from that experience, I, I felt really confident um, and then got to play a few games with Laval, um, a different role here. And then back um, to Trois-Rivières, where I was playing a, a lot of minutes and, and getting some confidence again. And then um, now I'm back here. So um, just taking each day. Um, I'm not sure what's going to happen next week, two weeks from now. Um, it's really just day to day for me and, um, and staying uh, in the present moment here. Um, definitely that experience um, being up with Montreal this year, I think, is going is to do me well um, in the future. So being, um, as he said, the, the call up to Montreal came quite unexpectedly, um, did get uh, over 10 minutes, um, had two sh- was credited with two shots, um, and uh, 50% on face-off. So uh, not a bad showing at the NHL level. He seems, um, as you said, grounded, very humble, um, and, and doesn't tend to get too high or too low, and, and taking... 
you know, you have to be adaptable. Um, mm-hmm. So he's taking all this in stride and, and uh, one day at a time. And, and no matter where he is, no matter where he's playing, he's going to uh, lead with that work ethic. Absolutely. Um, J.F. Uhl knows um, what he's got coming into the lineup with Cam Hillis. He knows uh, the things that they've asked Cam Hillis to work on, the things that they'd like to see him improve. Uh, and here's what J.F. Uh, said to me yesterday when I asked him uh, about Hillis's um, readiness to return to the AHL at this point. He's, uh, he's got a couple of points last game. He's been playing with more consistency down there. And, uh, you know, that's all we want from him, like consistent and maybe, uh, you know, win some draws for us. And, uh, you know, he's a player, he's a bubble player right now, but, uh, you know, I think he's, there's a lot of room to improve uh, there for, for Cam. And that's why we sent him down to, to 12. Yeah, just to, to get some games underneath his belt and uh, get playing again. And, and yeah, get, let him get comfortable, give him some confidence so when he gets back, he can continue on um, and, and not be, you know... Um, uh, nervous about getting into the lineup and and feeling that that he has to you know prove himself. Um, mm-hmm. uh, just just uh, take this all as part of the learning experience. Absolutely. Now uh, there's uh, another uh, defenseman that's going to get uh, added to the roster this week. That's going to bolster the back end for JF Wool, and that's Sam Uniku, who of course cleared waivers about a week ago. Uh, after being placed on waivers from the Montreal Canadiens. He's played 13 games in the NHL for the Canadiens this year. Uh, and uh, he cleared waivers. Uh, the Canadiens announced last week that he wouldn't join the Rocket until after the NHL All-Star break. Uh, and so today was his first day on the ice uh, with the Laval Rocket. Um he, <laughs> I have to say, I was pleasantly surprised to see he was in pretty good spirits when he sat down at the microphone today. Uh, he said uh, that he's excited to play tomorrow night, uh, that he really likes the guys uh, in the locker room uh, on the on the Laval Rocket team. He says he's pretty familiar with a, a good group of them who also happened to have been called up to Montreal for a little while. So he's already gotten to know some of the guys on the team. He said he was welcomed uh, with open arms today, uh, feels very comfortable transitioning and is really just excited to start playing some games and, and, and getting ice time. He's going to be uh, paired with Toby Pacapisson. It looks like tomorrow night he's, he's on the first wave of the power play. JF Ola is going to talk about that here in just a minute. Um, and when I asked Will about his attitude today, he said, you know, Sammy's got a great attitude. He's, you know, guys who are on the bubble like this, who are trying to to make their way back to the NHL, a lot of times they're just excited to get to play more consistently and, and play with uh, more responsibilities and greater ice time. So if that means they need to do it in the AHL for a while, then they're pretty excited about that. Um and that seems to be the the attitude that Sammy Niku is is moving forward with. Um Yesterday in in Ull's, uh Zoom conference, I had already I had asked him in anticipation of getting Sammy Niku into the roster this week, uh, his thoughts on the player as a whole, uh, and he had some he had some interesting things to say. Yeah, you know, I remember uh, I saw him play quite a bit when I was in Bakersfield, and he was in uh, Manitoba, and he, he was a pretty exciting player, uh, very offensive. But I think he knows that uh, his offensive side is there. He, he needs to to work on his uh, defensive side of, of the puck in order to get back to the NHL. Uh, you know, I, I think Sammy's aware of it and uh, he needs to, you know, be a little faster to, con- to close contact and, and, and have a better stick in the D zone 
during D zone coverage and stuff like that. But uh, obviously the, the offensive uh, part speaks for itself. He's, he's had a lot of uh, uh, good productions in the Manitoba and the American Hockey League. And uh, we're going to use him in the, on the power play and then hope he could help our power play as well. The Canadians picked up Sammy Niku uh, from waivers um, from the Winnipeg Jets because Sammy Niku is an offensive puck-moving defenseman, the kind of defenseman the Canadians don't have in their, their organization or don't have much of in their organization. And, and um, as, as the coach said, um, he comes with a, a track record in the AHL, 114 games played in the AHL, 80 points, uh, 22 goals, 58 assists. Uh, that's pretty good for an AHL defenseman. And he, he carried on that, uh, that offense in his 13 games uh, in uh, the NHL, six assists um, and uh, playing about 15 minutes a night. So um, I, I think it's clear that the, the coach made it clear that Sammy Niku needs to work on his gap, needs to work on, on getting his stick in lanes. And, and uh, that's what his task will be while having the opportunity to show his uh, offensive side on the power play while he's in Laval. Absolutely. I think everyone's looking forward to that. I, you know, he, he had had some good moments. He, he even said today that he felt pretty good about the games that he played in Montreal this year. Um, obviously it just wasn't enough to get him in the lineup on a regular basis. Uh, and so I think he's, I think we're all looking forward to seeing what Sammy Nee can, can do if he's kind of let loose a little bit. So uh, looking forward to seeing that this week. Uh, what we are going to do right now, uh, I should mention before we move on, detailed recaps of all those games that we spoke about, the two uh, games in Utica and uh, the the loss in Belleville. Uh, we have full comprehensive recaps of all three of those road games uh, over at AHLReport.com. Uh, you've got stats, full game summary, um, as well as the three stars, video highlights, and post audio from our post-game interviews with JFL and, and selected players each night. Uh, all of that can be found over at AHLReport.com. Uh, highly suggest and encourage you and welcome you to bookmark that page. Uh, it's where you'll find uh, full recaps of every Laval Rocket game. Um, and a lot of times, jam-packed full of information that you're not going to find comprehensively in one area anywhere else uh, on the internet. So uh, be sure to check that out. Um, and we in, we invite you to share that as well. There's, of course, always social media links on every one of our game recaps and articles uh, for you to share it with your hockey community as well. Uh, we are going to take a quick break. Uh, during the break, we're going to hear from our sponsor, DraftKings, uh, who has a special incentive in place right now in uh, in advance of this Sunday's Super Bowl uh, for uh, for betters playing DraftKings Sportsbook and Daily Fantasy. So you want to take a listen to that special incentive. And when we come back, uh, Patrick Williams will be joining us for this week's AHL Hot Stove. He takes us inside his interview with AHL President and CEO Scott Housen and gives us some insight on who he chose for his mock AHL All-Star team draft. So you don't want to miss a minute of that. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to The Press Zone here on Rocket Sports Radio. The moment we've been waiting for since September is finally here. In honor of the big game, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56, is giving new customers 56 to 1 odds on either team. 
Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in New York, meaning you can bet from almost a third of the country. Now, if Sportsbook isn't in your state yet, play DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contests for Super Bowl 56. New customers can get a free shot at a $1 million top prize with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, use promo code THPN, and get 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. Must be 21 or over. Minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void where prohibited. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the TN Red Line, 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text H-O-P-E-N-Y 467-369. Welcome back to the Press Zone, episode 243, right here on the AHL Report and Rocket Sports Media. Big thanks to our sponsors, DraftKings, for that special message and special incentive. Be sure to use the promo code THPN when you sign up. Uh, Of course, that stands for the Hockey Podcast Network of which we are affiliated. Uh, and so thanks to to those organizations for that great message. Uh, thanks for being here with us. So glad that you're here. Again, my name is Amy Johnson, your host and the lead correspondent here at the AHL Report. I'm joined by my co-host, Rick Stevens. A uh, couple of things we'd love for you to do. Three, actually. A little bit of homework, but I promise it won't hurt. And it'll only take a second. Uh, first, want to make sure that you're following us on Twitter. The best place to do that is at the AHL Report and also at the Press Zone. Uh, But when you follow us at the AHL Report, not only will you get notifications and and tweets uh, with our game recaps and and new episodes of the Press Zone, but also our other feature content that we have at the AHL Report website and our live in-game coverage of Laval Rocket games. Uh, Those get tweeted out as games happen if you're busy watching maybe a Habs game at the same time. Um, second piece of homework is to make sure you're subscribed to this podcast. Uh, just take a look at the player or the app that you're listening to this podcast in, uh, and look to make sure you're subscribed. If you're not just hit that subscribe button, make sure you turn on notifications so that you always know when a new episode drops. It's every Tuesday, but you want a reminder because Tuesdays are Tuesdays follow Monday and Mondays sometimes can throw us completely off kilter. So if you get a reminder that there's a new, uh, episode of the press zone that's even better and then the third thing if you are an apple podcast listener or a spotify listener do us a favor and rate the podcast just go to the podcast page uh if it's on apple you can even rate each episode of the podcast give us that five star rating uh just helps us to five's good five's good yeah we like five Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
We like five. That helps us uh, boost our, our visibility in the uh, the search algorithms and helps more people just like you who love hockey, love the Montreal Canadiens, love the Laval Rocket, find us and uh, helps our community grow. So we would appreciate it. It is that time again here on the Press Zone. You've got it. You're right. It's been two weeks since he's been here, so it's high time for our good friend Patrick Williams to be back on the show for another AHL Hot Stove Edition. Patrick, how are you today? Good. How are, how are both of you? We're doing good. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a little down today. You're down today? A little down today. You're down today. It's, it's a sad day. Oh, because we're recording. We're this morning. On, we're record. Yes, we're recording this on Monday, February seventh. Seventh is yeah, is a key date for you and you and Patrick are in mourning together. We have a kinship that way. Yeah. Would you like to explain to the people who are confused? Uh, it goes back to nineteen ninety six, <laughs> February seventh, nineteen ninety six. A date that will live in infamy for anyone who's lived in Winnipeg. <laughs> For any time. I see. Mm-hmm. Tamo Solani. Yes. Tamo Solani on February 7th, 1996, was traded to the Anaheim Ducks. That's... And, and as we were talking... What are you both doing to commemorate this yeah, day? Traded for uh, Chad Kilger, Oleg Tevardowski, and a third-round pick. Um, and we were kind of reminiscing about the careers of Tevardowski and, and uh, Chad Gilger uh, mm. prior to the show. So do you, like, take the day off today? We should. But you called us, so we had to come into work. Well, I'm, I, am, I am very appreciative that both of you are choosing to work today <laughs> to record this segment. <laughs> um. We've got some great things to talk to you about today, Patrick. We've uh, we teased this earlier in the show, but uh, we're going to talk a little bit about um, a conversation you've recently had with AHL President and CEO Scott Housen. Get a little insight from uh, the man in charge of things, um, and we're going to talk about the All Star situation a little bit. Uh, before we get there, just want to make quick mention of the fact that um, you'll be bringing us an under review our. Uh, column this week a special week usually those are on the opposite weeks of your press zone appearances but this week um it's pretty much confirmed now that the nhl taxi squads have been dissolved and so you'll be bringing us uh an under review this week that focuses on that right correct uh the uh much uh disliked (laughs) taxi squads that wreaked havoc on this league for the better part of six weeks um, they seem to be gone and, and not a moment too soon. And, and hopefully we never see them again. Um, it was one thing last year, you know, where it was kind of from the, from the start, you knew it and you could kind of work around it. But, uh, you, the way it happened this year, uh, the post Christmas announcement and literally like, <clears throat> uh, you know, probably a, a good quarter of the league, um, at one point was pulled up and um, in the span of about a month, there were over 1500 player transactions across the league. So yeah, you know, 31, 31 teams do the math. That's roughly 50 over a month per team. Um, You know, it it just, uh, the product I think really took a hit because of that. I mean, through no fault of the AHL. I mean, it's right. Um, it was an NHL decision, obviously, uh, for, for the NHL's uh, needs and the AHL, as 
is the case is there to kind of support what the NHL is doing and um, had to step up and, and the AHL did, but uh, you know, certainly it had an effect on everybody. Um, so fingers crossed it's gone. <laughs> um, now we've been down this road before with uh, <laughs> pandemic true. and, you know, I, I sort of feel like, you know, Charlie Brown with the football, but um, hopefully it's gone and hopefully we don't really ever have to refer to it ever again. That would be good. So uh, under review, when it does come out uh, on opposite weeks, this again, this week it's coming out this week, which uh, if you're listening to this podcast on Tuesday when it is published, that means it'll be out tomorrow. Um, under review by Patrick Williams, focusing on uh, the taxi squad situation and the effect that it had on the American Hockey League. Uh, it'll be a great article, so be on the lookout for that for sure at ahlreport.com. Um However, this week would have signified something uh, very special in the American Hockey League. This uh, this past weekend would have been the uh, AHL All-Star Classic. Both the skills competition and the All-Star Game uh, was slated to be held in Laval after being postponed from there last year. Um, before we get to that, though... During that weekend, typically, um, we saw Dave Andrews used to do this in the past as well, but during All-Star Weekend, uh, the league president would give kind of a state of the league address uh, and and have a press conference with assembled media to talk about general things in, going on in the American Hockey League. Obviously, that wasn't able to happen this year. Uh, but Patrick, you got to sit down uh, and do kind of a, a question and answer one-on-one with Scott House. And the full interview and article is up on uh, the AHL's website. Um, but just a few things that... Um, out of that, that that we just kind of want to pick your brain about and, and get your take on on his responses. The first off would be, of course, with Coachella Valley coming into the league next year. Um, his uh, you asked him about uh, playoff structure and 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 divisional changes and so forth, and he had some interesting responses to that. He did, and uh, you know uh, we all know that this season's playoff uh, format is. Uh, radically different than what it was in the past, uh, you know, back in the good old days when we actually had playoff hockey. Um, uh, 23 teams this year, which is up from the traditional 16, and there'll be kind of a playing around. Uh, it's very different, and uh, it looks like that uh, format will carry over uh, beyond this year into next season when everybody's at a 72-game uh, schedule uh, across the board. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, There'll be no more, obviously, there'll be no more point percentage uh, to have to sit there with your, your calculator and <laughs> deal with that. So, but uh, yeah, that playoff format, I think the NHL clubs really like it. It's an opportunity to get players a little bit of playoff experience, uh, even if uh, you're kind of a, you know, a team on the, the, the margins or the fringes of uh, contention, at least um, you can... Say you, you made the playoffs and the players will get at least a handful of games. So um, I think that's very appealing uh, for, for, for NHL clubs. And um, uh, so the NHL's carrying that format into next season. And, uh, you know, it was a little, um, you know, I thought it was interesting that uh, really without even doing it uh, this year uh, and seeing how it went, uh, that they're fully committed well beyond this year um, to um, – making that happen and kind of making that a full-time permanent uh, part of the league. We, we should just kind of reinforce, uh, you touched on it there, but 
moving to a unified schedule for next year, and and this year's kind of the transition year with some teams playing 68 games, some playing 72, some playing 76. But that moves something that that many have wanted for many years. Uh, that's that's a significant accomplishment, I would say, for for Scott Housen. It is, and that quickly into his uh, tenure as president. Yeah. I mean, I know that for for Dave Andrews, that was a that was a long battle um, that um, continued even after he left the position and um, getting everybody on that that page. I mean, there's there's money at stake if you're, especially if you're uh, a club that draw, draws well and you're playing 76 games. If you're cutting that back uh, to 72, you're losing two home dates. Um, and that wasn't appealing to a lot of teams. So um, you had 31 clubs, and you have to at least get about 75% uh, approval uh, for any any move of that nature. So um, the fact that they were able to finally get that uh, over the finish line uh, as quickly as they did uh, was, you know, I think, yeah, it's a major uh, accomplishment for him. And um, as he said, it was a bad look for the league. Um, it was um, – something where it was just, uh, you know, the type of thing where it, it makes things more complicated than they need to be in terms of the standings and uh, scheduling. So everybody's on the same page. Um, you know, it was just something that I, I know, especially early on, coaches complained about having a different number of games per team and feeling that uh, uh, some of the competition maybe had, had an advantage on that. So, um and, Finally, that that issue has been put to bed uh, starting next year, and uh, it'll be a nice uniform, um, 72 games across the board. Um, and I think it will help a lot for the league just in terms of uh, having that uh, uh, cohesion, just even for, for statistical purposes. I mean, it, if you're playing 68 games and somebody else is playing 76, uh, your, your chances of uh, winning a scoring title, for example, are going to be um, – and that much more difficult. Mm-hmm. That's very true. It'll be uh, it'll be really interesting to see how that goes. And and as mentioned in your article, uh, he confirmed that Coachella is going to uh, slot in, of course, to the Pacific Division. But it doesn't look like there's going to be any realignment. No, it uh, looks like they're going with a. It's already a nine team division. Looks like they're going to go up to ten, uh, with seven teams uh, qualifying for the postseason from that Ooh. division. Yeah, so I was a little bit surprised by that because, I mean, we've discussed this. Uh, you, you you could have made a case for Colorado going to the Central Division uh, since they're kind of geographically removed from everybody else anyway. Um, but it looks like everybody likes status quo and uh, they're willing to um, all kind of jam themselves into that division. And it really is shows how much this league has changed in the last six or seven years. Uh, that's, you know, before 2015, there wasn't any team on the West Coast. And now you have 10 teams, uh, more or less, uh, to some degree, you know, on the West Coast, or at least uh, in some proximity. So uh, that's about, you know, a little bit less than a third of the league. Uh, so there, you know, it really kind of puts into to context just how much this league has changed, uh, how much it's uh, no longer just the kind of the, the small town um, northeastern United States uh, type of league that it was for such a long time. Now it's fully coast to coast, and really, you know, the, the balance of, of power in terms of number of teams really now is on the West Coast. Wow, that certainly changes things. <laughs> now, Rick, 
we've talked about this a lot over the years. Uh, Press Zone listeners know that this is something we've talked about a lot. If there's one thing that fans, media members alike can all agree on and something that they have wanted from the AHL for a really long time, what would it be? Well, it's, it's, (laughs) yeah, it's more, more access, access to more information. And, uh, the one, the one piece of information, uh, that's right at the top of the list is time on ice. That's right. Players, (laughs) players, time on ice. Um, and we, you know, we get asked that uh, quite often. Can you tell me how, when we're covering Laval, can, can you tell me how many minutes that, um, Raphael Harvey Pernard played last night? Well, we'd love to, but we didn't have our stopwatches out. Um, and that, that information just isn't available. Um, Patrick, this was a topic that you, uh, that you covered with Scott Housen. Yeah. I mean, it, it comes up a lot. Like you said, uh, media fans, uh, what have you, and, and, it's a statistic that's kind of kept unofficially by teams uh, for their own purposes. But I mean, I think it's one of the most important stats there is. I mean, and it really shows um, you know, what a player is doing and what he's capable of and, and the level of trust that the coaching staff has in a player. And it's also, it, again, it puts kind of uh, some context into statistics. Is this player playing 10 minutes a night or is he playing 25? And if so, um, obviously that's going to have a dramatic effect, um, on, on production and, um, you know, is he playing too much? Is he playing too little? So, um, it looks like, uh, the league is, um, at the very least, uh, interested in doing it, which, uh, is a major shift, uh, because for a long time, um, there wasn't a whole lot of interest in doing so it was, um, thought that, you know, this is kind of, uh, information we don't want to have, um, go public. Uh, it looks like, um, it, Dave Andrews was able to first, I think, break through that uh, that barrier, and now Halston uh, has kind of pushed it forward. So um, it's a difficult stat, just in the sense of uh, the amount of uh, uh, resources it takes from a statistical crew, um, you know, to track to track that. Uh, uh, this isn't the NHL; um, you don't have kind of uh, that that same amount of uh, resources, but. Um, it looks like they're trying to get it done. The main issue right now is just they want to make it accurate. And, you know, that's easier said than done just because um, it's very, very time intensive and very uh, kind of people intensive or intensive um, uh, amount of effort that it takes to keep that stat accurately um, in, a, in a given game. Mm-hmm. And I think to provide some consistency from building to building to building, because mm-hmm. we know that, We've been in press boxes where that stat is being uh, tracked uh, by the by the folks that are, are sitting next to you in the in the press box. We know that you know sometimes when we go down to uh, the post post game pressers that it's a it's a stat that coaches reference, um, mm-hmm. but it's not consistent throughout the league and. And yeah, there seems to be, you know, uh, NHL general managers are, are very protective of their prospects and, and, um, you know, they, I, I guess they, they, some of them anyway, don't want that information uh, getting out uh, as far as how often um, or, or how many minutes that their prospects are playing. But I, you know, if there's some signal about uh, the 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 depth of the problem i thought it was uh in his response uh, scott hausen said that this was a 
long-term goal uh, to bring mm-hmm. uh, to bring this to the league. So uh, fans shouldn't be expecting that this will happen anytime soon. Is it was is and I guess I'll ask: Is that a fair interpretation I, of what he said? I think that's a fair interpretation. Uh, on the other hand, uh, we have seen that sometimes um, things in this league tend to move in the stops and starts, and uh, there won't be much uh, progression on a, on, a, on a given topic, and then all of a sudden, you know, before you know it, in a short amount of time, uh, it really moves forward. So. Yeah. Um, I don't think well. Uh, it's not, I don't think it's the next year type of uh, uh, situation, but um, I do think that it's going to be sooner rather than later. And just the very fact that they're even at this point is is a major step forward because um, it wasn't that long ago that there was very little interest in um, in, in in this idea, and um, uh, there was a lot of resistance, like you said, from NHL teams and general managers and. Um, the fact that to, to even get this far, uh, I think is, uh, is encouraging uh, as a C. And, um, so I think, I think it's, it's closer rather than, you know, maybe than we might think. Um, but, uh, I also don't think it's an extra year type thing either. And, and not to belabor this, this point, but, um, technology may provide the answer rather than the information being manual, manually uh, collected by, you know, somebody actually sitting and tracking when a player gets on and off the ice. Uh, the wearable um, um, uh, monitors, the wearable, uh, that that's something that, that teams use already. AHL teams, we know Laval uses it, we know Lehigh Valley uses it mm-hmm. uh, to track um, uh, physiological responses uh, so that their training staff have access to that information. Well, that would be, it would seem like the next step that that tracker uh, is also then used uh, to monitor ice time. Yeah, I think that'd be interesting. And we, we've seen that at the NHL level that um, there's been obviously a lot of discussion, you know, and sort of, a, you know, the possibilities um, are almost limitless in terms of the information you, you could collect and um, in terms of, you know, speed of shots and, and skating speed and, and everything. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's where there might be a little bit of resistance, uh, both from teams and players. Maybe they don't want that information out there. You know, if you're a player that's um, you're you're not a great skater, and now that that stats out there, um, you know, it's that that much more uh, apparent uh, that maybe you have a deficiency in your skating. So uh, there is a little bit of that mentality that I think they'll have to work through. But uh, um, and the other issue I think is just cost. Uh, you know. The, that technology is not, not inexpensive. And, um, you know, I think there'll be a little bit of resistance in that regard, uh, you know, to everybody fully committing to that kind of uh, expenditure financially. Well, with the expansion of sports betting and, and particularly in-game uh, bets, you can see that that might help nudge, whether it's the NHL or the AHL, uh, in, in the uh, direction of, of more information. If there's another thing that that fans uh, probably want a lot more of, it is access to be able to watch uh, their favorite teams, uh, whether they're home or on the road, um, or as a way to to introduce new potential hockey fans to to the league. Um, we know that that the the introduction of AHL TV in the last couple of years it was a gigantic step up. 
from 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 the streaming services of the AHL in in prior years to that. Uh, better quality, um, better pricing structure, so on and so forth. Um, but Patrick, you you mentioned to Scott Halson. Uh, just this topic of national TV exposure, uh, where there isn't a paid subscription necessarily involved, or if it is, it's something reasonable, uh, perhaps that other people are already subscribed to. Uh, can you talk a bit about, you know, whether or not Housen seems to feel that that there might be uh, more of a national exposure on television for AHL fans? Yeah. So as of right now, um, TSN has a pretty limited schedule in terms of um, you know games um, for Canadian viewers. Uh, but in this, in the states, uh, there's not a whole lot. Um, he mentioned the NHL Network a little bit, uh, but that's a specialty channel, obviously. So you're at that point, you're kind of just preaching to um, you know the diehards anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so there's interest, but uh, it's just uh, I think especially now when you you, we didn't get into this too much, but you looked at the state of um, uh, sports broadcasting right now, the whole shift to streaming, um, that's kind of, you know, thrown a lot of chaos into the uh, the cable television business uh, in the last number of years. So, um, but it still is certainly a, a, a big way to reach fans. And, uh, you know, it's something I know the league would like to do. It's just, Making the numbers work for both sides is not easy. Um, you know, the Canadian Hockey League has a television deal with TSN um, start, that started this year. Before that, they were with Sportsnet. Um, it's it's great exposure every Friday night, pretty much that uh, you'll have your product uh, on national television. Um, I don't think you can put a price on that. I mean, you can put a price on it, but <laughs> um, it's uh, it's a big step. But I mean, it's um, it's it's not an easy thing to do. Um, I will say this, that uh, there has been a lot of step uh, or a lot of progression in the last uh, year or two, sort of because of the pandemic uh, in terms of getting local television deals in some markets. And that's been, uh, I think, a really good way to get some exposure, uh, you know, get, you know, maybe 10, 15 games a, a year, generally home games, um, uh, you know, to local fans who, who uh, either may not really be aware of the product or even uh, if they are, but maybe they, they don't have the resources to, to necessarily buy tickets, but uh, they can still be fans, uh, still maybe buy merchandise, what have you, um, and just maintain that connection. I mean, I know even Tucson, uh, uh, which is one of the newer teams in the league, um, actually, they actually broadcast a, a road game um, uh, not too long ago. So um, there's been some uh, some headway made in that regard on the local front. But uh, as of right now, no, um, the national front is still a, uh, um, a very, as Scott Housen said, a very difficult nut to crack. I thought it was interesting, uh, and and Rick, you pointed this out when we were uh, in in pre-show discussion with Patrick. Um, just just lastly, in terms of your your one on one interview with Scott House and um, Rick, you pointed out that you uh, appreciated that uh, House mentions at one point in the article that uh, he had some, quote, long term lofty goals when he came in and took over for for Dave Andrews. Um, what were what were you hoping to to see him say after that? <laughs> 
Yeah, no, I, I, I'd just be interested in we, you know, the the transition has been uh, difficult between Dave Andrews and not not that not it's been difficult because the the pandemic kind of co-opted uh, that. And w- when a, a new CEO comes in, you expect uh, them to provide a, a bit of a pathway for for the direction that they want to head in. And we didn't have that opportunity to see that. Uh, because all of the, you know, all of the efforts have been in keeping franchises afloat, uh, keeping a season uh, afloat. Uh, you know, it's all been very reactive, and I, and I I would have been very interested to to um, to listen about his vision, his philosophy, and and where he sees the the league going. And unfortunately, like I say, uh, COVID has 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 taken in the whole league in another direction. Absolutely. So, so Patrick was was he mentioning that is a, as a transition to give you some insight onto what some of his long term vision is? Yeah, I I, I wasn't able to really determine that, uh, and I think uh, I think a big factor in that is nobody really knows where things are headed. Uh, we're hopeful that things are headed to a better place, but uh, we've all you know certainly been through enough now at this point, two years into the pandemic, to know that. You can't count on a whole lot. Uh, so, um, you know, if the league is, is, you know, really the world is truly coming out of uh, the pandemic uh, for good, then that is a very different direction than uh, this, as you said, like a very reactive uh, type of strategy where you're just trying to keep things, you know, afloat. And um, it's been such a battle for the last two years. And, I mean, you've had – um, significant amounts of turnover uh, in, in front office people, both at the league level and uh, team by team. So uh, it's been just difficult uh, overall to really have any sort of consistency and, and build up any steam because uh, everything here has just been on a week to week, month to month basis. I mean, even, you know, the taxi squad, like we were saying earlier, um, that just dramatically changed in, uh, that put a lot of strain on front offices just in terms of uh, uh, the, the workload that they had. And, um, you know, it obviously, you know, makes it that much harder to sell tickets if you're losing some of your best players. So um, it's been a battle. I mean, so it's in that sense, uh, um, it would be interesting to really see, like, what what does Scott Halston have planned here? Because um, we haven't really had a chance to see it because, you know, even before he took over, um, the league was already, you know, up to its ears in uh, the pandemic. So um, if we can ever actually get out of this situation, I think then we would actually see a lot more uh, of what he has, uh, you know, both midterm and long-term in terms of uh, objectives. Absolutely. Um, and maybe, maybe that's something that we can have on the horizon in, in, in the next season coming up. Um because Rick, as you say, it would be it would be fascinating to to see kind of what his vision is in taking over such a such a an important role in the league. Um, so all of that, of course, uh, is just part of the sit down that you had with Scott Housen. Uh, folks can check out the the full interview on on the AHL's website. Um, going along with that, however. Uh, as we said, this was supposed to be All-Star Weekend for the AHL All-Star Classic. So for the second year in a row, uh, fans got denied the opportunity to see their favorite American League stars come together and show off their skills and, and come together for an All-Star game. But Patrick, you took the opportunity anyway uh, to kind of do your own mock AHL All-Star 
uh, team drafts for each division, um, mm -hmm. which is uh, it's it's uh, quite the project um, to put together, I'm sure. Um, before we start, before we mention any um, just broad players of interest that you put together on on your uh, on your all star teams. Um, first off, I just want to mention some that are that are directly tied to the Montreal Canadiens franchise. Of course, your 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 one pick for Laval was Raphael Harvey Pinard. Um, and what what made you what made you decide that Harvey Pinard was the guy in Laval that that probably would have gotten the All Star ticket this year? You know, I just love his consistency on a night to night basis. Uh, you know. I have a lot of time for him in the sense of, uh, you know, a player who was the seventh round pick, uh, you know, and those are generally play players that I'm barely get any opportunity. And he's, he's pushed forward. Uh, you know, he's a guy who's really made himself into a real legitimate um, possibility uh, for more work with the NHL club. And um, I think he's capable of even, even more, but uh, I like him. He has a great head on his shoulders very smart player, uh, very kind of grounded, and uh, the type of player that coaches just love. Just you know, for the very simple fact, uh, you know, every night, you know, you, you're getting a pretty consistent effort from him and a pretty consistent performance. And that's one of the hardest things at this level for players is to have that game-to-game -game consistency, to not have one good game and you know two off games. So um, I, I think that there's definitely a future NHL player there. And uh, he, for me, he was uh, definitely the pick for the Laval Rocket. Other ties to Montreal that, that are, that made your lineup, uh, Gabriel Dumont in Syracuse, who Laval is, is well acquainted with now that he's the captain of the Syracuse crunch. And they'll see a lot of him this week in their, in their three game homestand hosting the crunch, uh, Matthew Pekka in Springfield and, and one that I was pleasantly surprised to see on your list, uh, Noah Julson in Ab Abbotsford. Yeah, he's really kind of uh, reborn his career almost. And, um, you know, anybody that knows anything about his his time uh, with Montreal and with Laval, it was just felt like it was one thing after another for him uh, in terms of staying healthy and just um, he was kind of caught up in a you know, difference. Uh, um, you know, you had, Joel Bouchard coming in and then, you know, so they, there was just a lot of upheaval overall. And, and I think he was a player that uh, between the injuries and just um, the way things were kind of unfolding around him um, uh, got lost in the shuffle, but uh, he's found a, a real good home for himself. Uh, he's actually from the Vancouver area. Uh, so playing close to home in Abbotsford, uh, uh, a player that they count on heavily, uh, really kind of the anchor of that, that blue line uh, out there. So, uh, you know, just to show you, sometimes the player just needs a, a different opportunity, maybe a different set of eyes uh, seeing him. And uh, I think he's uh, kind of put himself back a little bit on the NHL radar uh, after, I think, you know, falling off of it a little bit in the past few years. Uh, I should also mention, I, forgive me, I've, I forgot one other one. Keith Kincaid is on your list as well. Uh, and, mm -hmm. and Laval certainly knows how, how good Keith Kincaid has been in net for Hartford this year. Um, so outside of those, Rick, were there, you, you got a chance to peruse uh, Patrick's uh, all-star team list here. Were there, were there names that really stuck out to you? 
Well, there's there's just some great stories, really great stories. Um, Akira Schmid has been uh, lights out for uh, Utica. Well, uh, Utica has been been terrific, but uh, he's been a great story. Nathan Walker, um, you know, Australian player, and and we remember him being uh, with the Capitals. Um, uh, Connor Ingram, you talk about a player t- resurrecting his career. That's true. Uh, and being part of uh, Syracuse and the Tampa Bay organization, then ran into some personal issues, uh, but was always a goaltender that that I really liked. Um, every time we've seen Rochester uh, this season, the the guy that sticks out every single game is is Michael Mersch, um, a veteran who's making a you know. A, his presence known on that team, um, Martin Frick, who we know from the Halifax Mooseheads, he was a sniper with Halifax, um, having a great season uh, with the Ontario Reign. I mean, there's just a lot of, of of really fascinating stories in the AHL. Yeah, and I'll add uh, Nick uh, Briard out in uh, San Diego, a guy who you know turned pro, and then he actually went back to McGill for three years, and. Now it's back in the pro game again at 26 years old and his eight goals this season tops among all HL defensemen. And uh, San Diego has had a really difficult time this year. Um, you know, the, just constant player turnover and uh, haven't been able to find their footing, but he's been a really, uh, really strong bright spot for that team. And um, it goes to show you that just uh, every player kind of has a different path at times. And um, you know, the timeline doesn't necessarily fit every player, um, you know, the same. So uh, he's been a fun story to see how his career has kind of taken off, um, you know, getting an opportunity, um, you know, for a player that really, you know, really came in with, with not a whole lot in the way of expectations. Uh, I'll just add one more name and that's Jonathan Kovacevic. And, and he's the guy you mm-hmm. have to check his name every time you write it down because uh, <laughs> his first name, Jonathan, uh, is spelled a little bit differently, but he made his uh, NHL debut this year. Uh, and he just got called back up uh, today because of uh, COVID situation with the Jets and was uh, practicing on the third pairing uh, today. But but we saw him at the at the draft, uh, a large defenseman, six foot five, and and I thought he was going to end up being one of those physical stay at home kind of defensemen. And as you mentioned in your article, Patrick, uh, we're we're seeing a bit of a, more of an offensive side uh with the moose this year yeah i think uh the fact that manitoba really i mean i think they have perhaps the best blue line in the league and um he isn't necessarily being relied on just to uh, be that stay-at-home uh, shutdown type guy because they have plenty of that uh, you know surrounding him so he's been able to uh, as i said unlock a little bit of that that uh, other side of his game that uh, really hasn't uh, up until this point been a much of part of his game. So um, it's been good to see. I mean, he's uh, that whole blue line has really uh, kind of carried that team, um, uh, you know, really to kind of the upper echelon of the league. And uh, he's been a huge part of it. They're really, really made himself into a player um, who, like you said, I mean, just called to the jets again, um, made himself into a, a, a real NHL possibility. And, um, you never know. I mean, with, with players like that, uh, you know, he's had a little bit of a, a different path, uh, you know, played three years of college, uh, kind of came in. And he, like a lot of players who came in as rookies in the 2019-20 season, uh, a lot of upheaval, obviously, um, you know, season 
shut down uh, about three quarter of the way through. Then last season was just so, so chaotic. So this is kind of his first year where he's actually kind of getting to have a little bit of a more normal uh, pace to the season. And uh, he's really taking advantage of it. So typically it's the league who um, selects the all-stars for the all-star classic and who's going to uh who's going to get the call from each team and so forth uh, with you getting tasked this year of, of mocking up uh, who gets to make the cut. Uh, is this, is this, uh, are you, are you ready to hand this task back to the league next year? <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> it was fun, but it was also, yeah, it's stressful. I'm not the most decisive person to start with. <laughs> and this is kind of an exercise that uh, works exactly opposite of being uh, that because it's just, <laughs> You know, you're trying to fit uh, 31 teams. Everybody has to have at least one player. You have 48 spots. Uh, you also have limits on number of positions. Um, so there, yeah, there was definitely a few, more than a few players that I had to leave off simply because because everybody has to be represented. And um, yeah, it was a. It gave you. I, I think I had an appreciation that it was a difficult job before that, but doing it this year. And I mean, I, I worked on this thing for the better part of a week and I don't know how many iterations of it <laughs> I went through. I mean, I, I jotted down, you know, probably, I don't know, four or five pages of names and scratch them out, added some back, uh, you know, just trying to find the right balance of, uh, um, you know, both representation and also, um, you know, who's, who's performing well. And then you throw in the, 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 uh, the taxi squad, um, you know, to, to just add another wrinkle uh, to the whole uh, <laughs> procedure. Um, you have a few players like Jack Quinn uh, who are actually called up. So yeah. in some ways that was a little bit of a, um, made it a little bit easier because that freed up one spot uh, because he would have been an automatic pick for that uh, as one of the top rookies in the league. Um, so, but uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was a tough job and, um, that doesn't even get into the fact that if this is the real deal, um, inevitably you're having player injuries or call-ups. Uh, so then you have to start to pencil in different players. So, uh, uh, yeah, I think it was fun, but, uh, <laughs> glad I didn't have to do it, uh, you know, for, for something that was for <laughs> Well, uh, as we said, uh, both both the full article on your Q&A with Scott Housen, as well as your full list of your uh, mock AHL All-Star team selection, both can be found over at the AHL's website and at our, our website, ahlreport.com. We will remind folks once again, be sure to be on the lookout tomorrow, uh, Wednesday this week for... Uh, your under review column on a special week uh, to talk about in depth about uh, the effect that the taxi squads had on, on the American league. Uh, we'll be looking for that for sure. And we were just uh, so glad to have you back with us today. Anytime. Uh, it's always fun. I, I look forward to these, uh, these, these off weeks uh, you know, where I'm able to come on and um, there's so much to discuss and um, you know, it's always a real pleasure. Well, we enjoy having you, and I'm sure that uh, our next AHL Hot Stove edition in another two weeks will be chock full of information as well. So thank you so much for joining us, Patrick. Uh, don't forget to follow him on Twitter at PWilliamsAHL, and we'll talk to you soon. As I said at the top of the show, I do not envy Patrick Williams' task of amassing that AHL mock draft of his all-star team. But the 
one of the reasons we do this is there are great players in the AHL and there are great stories to tell. And, and, and Patrick assembling this list gave us an opportunity to, to recall some of those, those stories. And, um, so I, I think, I think that's why I, we, we had two different kind of, uh, discussions this week, mm-hmm. one on, uh, kind of the outlook, the vision of the league and one on the players in the league. And I think that's what it's all about. And, um, all in one episode. Absolutely. And it's why we really value having Patrick Williams as a contributor here, a special contributor here at the AHL report. He brings great insight. Um, wonderful that he had a chance to sit down with Scott Housen. Uh, and uh, his coverage of the entire American Hockey League is second to none. So we uh, we we enjoy having him here with us uh, for the AHL Hot Stove for sure. Um, of course, also you heard us mention uh, his under review column at AHLReport.com is coming out on a special week this week. Usually it's on uh, every other week the opposite weeks that he appears here on the podcast this week, it's happening in the same week. So be on the lookout for his under review article. It's going to break down all of the ins and outs of the consequences of those NHL taxi squads as it affected AHL teams and rosters. Uh, that's sure to be a fascinating article. Also be on the lookout AHL weekly. It's a, it's a, as, as the name indicates, it's a weekly column by Maria Boabdo, uh, bringing you the biggest and latest headlines from around the American hockey league, all in one place gives you, um, league leaders as far as skaters and goaltenders, uh, the current league standings, the, the AHL, uh, star of the week, the player of the week, uh, as well as all of the latest news, uh, coming out, uh, all around the American hockey league, which you certainly don't want to miss at all. Um, and then, uh, between Chris G and myself, we'll be collaborating to cover all three rocket home games this week, Wednesday night, Friday night, and Saturday afternoon. Uh, just just after the Montreal Canadiens finish their Saturday midday matinee, the Laval Rocket will take the ice at 3 p.m. Uh, so all three of those home games are against Syracuse. Rick, we've reached the midpoint in the season. So do you know what that means? What does it mean? It means that the American Hockey League switches switch jerseys. switch jerseys. So now they will be in their reds at home uh, starting this week. Uh, so... Um, as we said, there will be um, – actually, I don't think we mentioned this in the first segment. 500 fans will be in the building at Plus Bell for all of those games this week, um, mostly in the corporate boxes, in the loges. Um, and then, uh, Rick, we just found out today, actually, that the Habs are going to be able to move up to – 50% capacity as of February 21st, uh, full capacity as of March 14th. So we're inching back. Getting back there. I don't know that it had anything to do with uh, Gary Bettman's little threat about the draft. But... <laughs> I think it had everything to do with Gary Bettman. Um, but for that, uh, for some commentary on that, you'd probably want to listen to the Canadians Connection podcast. Uh, you were hosting that with Chris G this past week. Talked a little bit about uh, Gary Bettman's um, All-Star Weekend press conference and so on and so forth. Visit CanadiansConnection.fm to check out the archive for that. Um, Um, But I'm pleased uh, that I'll be in the co-hosting seat with you this coming Saturday. We want people to be sure that you're subscribed to the Canadians Connection podcast. All, it's top to bottom, nothing about the Montreal Canadiens. Lots of analysis, lots of information. Uh, but did you have to make it an early week? It's an early week. Did you have to? <laughs> you the, get the early week. I get the early week. Chris gets to sleep in. Really? Uh-huh. 
Yeah. I'm remembering that, Mr. Chris G. I'm well, gonna... <laughs> we have to do, uh, yeah, uh, a matinee game. It's uh, Super Bowl weekend, so the Canadians played two uh, games, uh, two matinees, Saturday and Sunday. Saturday's game starting at 12.30, so the Canadians' connection will be coming out early and we'll yeah, be like recording morning mm-hmm. yeah something like that which means yeah we have some are you bringing extra coffee to the studio i should large thermoses mm-hmm. donuts pas- <laughs> oh, no, pastries i see eggs bagels bacon yeah, and eggs I got it. yeah you can always entice me with bacon i see <laughs> and donuts uh we certainly hope you'll all en- uh join us uh saturday morning uh for the canadians connection podcast i'm looking forward to joining you uh and we are looking forward to meeting you here again next week next tuesday for another great episode of the press zone lots of hockey happening this week uh we will be able to talk next week a little bit about the first uh, performances of those olympic hockey players uh who are who are over there and about to start competing so we'll keep an eye on the prospects and uh give you a full report next week thanks so much for joining us we'll see you next tuesday right here on the press zone here on rocket sports radio Click subscribe to never miss an episode of The Press Zone on Rocket Sports Radio. Visit AHLReport.com for the latest news on hockey prospects.